Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in. It is the chatter. That is the coaching chatter here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Joining me, as always, is the greatest of the great prognosticators. His name is Craig Ladd. And fresh from the bonfire is Kurt Page. How are you gentlemen doing? Well, guys, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but I'll let both of you do it. That sounds <laughs> sounds like a good plan, right? I'm not going to – I don't know about Kurt, but I'm not going to dislocate my shoulder patting you on the back. So, you're good to go there, right? That's right. <laughs> the blind hog. Outstanding. <laughs> yeah, the blind hog looked up on the acorn. How's that? As my grandfather used to say. You know, you know a busted clock is right twice twice a day. So <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll 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 go from there. We'll see. We'll put your skills to the test here this this uh, this coming Monday. I'm uh, ready, Craig. Well, we're brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NBA and college basketball season are back. The NFL playoffs actually start tomorrow. They're right around the corner, and then of course the, the national championship on Monday. With all this stuff going on, there's plenty of bets to lock in on. So if you're thinking about, I don't know, taking a, taking Ohio State plus eight and a half, uh, or if you're thinking about uh, if you're thinking about an upset here in the first round, like maybe the Washington football team over uh, Tampa Bay, or maybe you're looking at uh, the NBA with the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship, or maybe you're feeling good about Gonzaga. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, uh, head on over to betonline.ag from game spreads, totals to team and player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Craig, maybe you should have went there uh, last weekend. You'd be rolling in the money now. There's always an online casino as well that never closes. Guys, what what's your favorite casino game? Uh, me, it's blackjack. Yeah, same here, Kurt. You seem I can like go a blackjack uh, too. We're all we're all. You seem like a roulette guy too. Like I, I could see you sitting on the roulette table and just going ham. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, so head on over to BetOnline.ag. And uh, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses and sign up today. Again, that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys. Well, we you know we got an action-packed show. I uh, got a lot to talk about, but uh, some game is happening on Monday. Um, just going back to the semifinal uh, rounds, I, I I've never seen a team so badly outcoached as I did with Clemson. I mean, it's almost like they. Dabo said, oh, yeah, Ohio State's ranked 11th, and uh, that's really kind of all they left it at. I, I felt like maybe they were having campfires and cookouts and not really practicing. It just seemed like they were unprepared, uh, unmotivated. 
I don't, everything that went wrong could have went wrong. What? How do we unfold that game? What was it more of like a Ohio State had a big chip on their shoulder? Like how did that game play out the way it did? Kurt, how, why 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 did why was Ohio State so dominant? Well, I think for 365 days they were calculating this game. This is the game they wanted. It blasted all through the Ohio State Buckeyes football center. The guys saw it. They saw it on every TV. They heard it in every song, played in the weight room. And a lot of times that that is a huge factor, but a lot of times it doesn't pay out. You know, it doesn't pay off, and it gets boredom. But the way everything was dysfunctional in 2020, I guess that paid true, you know, that it, it motivated those kids. And my hat goes off to the quarterback. Justin Fields has played one well of a game. Great play calling by Ryan Day. Uh, as you said, they were out coached, they were outplayed, and uh, Clemson didn't have their play caller for offense. But it, I guess it really didn't matter as well as they played. Ohio State was unbelievable that night. Craig, it just seemed like Clemson couldn't protect Trevor Lawrence. Uh, seemed like defensively they were scrambling. What you know? What? How did you see it? Well, I agree with you, Corey. And and to me, the the biggest stat in this ball game was the fact that uh, Ohio State limited. Clemson to only 44 yards on the ground and Atina only had 32. That was a huge, huge factor in this ball game. It made Clemson one-dimensional and and as you two football coaches know, it's tough to win if you're one-dimensional. Especially against a quality opponent. Well, on the other side of the coin, not much needs to be said about the Notre Dame uh, Alabama game except that Notre Dame did have the backdoor cover. Um, but, again, that game, it just felt like Alabama was bored. Did you guys get that sense, Kurt? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they got they ran out to a big lead was in the first half and put up big numbers, and then they just kind of coasted. And they, they almost were uh, NFL-ish, you know, basically uh, just got off the throttle, you know, and just really paced it and got their guys through the game with no injuries, you know. And uh, – you know that that was a good thing. You know they're going they're going not going to be able to do that this week. You know, uh, and I know that uh, Craig's going to be coming with a big prediction here shortly. So what do you think about it, Craig? Well, I, you know I, I'm like you. Uh, it was obvious uh, that uh, uh, Sark and Saban shut it down uh, probably midway through the third quarter when they knew everything. They had everything and just started feeding it to Harris and just grinding up the clock. Uh, one thing in this ball game that I thought was, was sort of telling and I was surprised by it was the lack of a pass rush by Alabama against a book. You know, obviously they had a pass rush once they knew that uh, Notre Dame was going to pass on every down late in the game, they were pressuring him. But before that, they really didn't pressure him. And I, I think that's going to be a huge factor in this game. They they can't let Justin Fields stand back there and chew him up because he will do that. Obviously, he had 385 and six TDs against Clemson. So, you know, I, I think that they're going to have to put some pressure on Fields in this ball game. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you look at both of these passing defenses and, and Alabama's in particular because that's who we seem to be talking about at this moment. Uh, not very good, not very strong. Um, you know, Patrick Sertain uh, Jr. is is very strong in, at, as a cornerback, but that's really kind of all they have to rely on. I mean, you look at some of the games, the SEC Championship, they gave up 400-plus yards to, to, to Florida. You look at the Ole Miss game, they gave up a million and a half yards, and I think they gave up a 50-spot 
to Ole Miss. Luckily, the offense scored a 60 spot to win the game. Um, but you know, you look at Georgia, put up four, over 400 yards passing with uh, with a fourth string quarterback. Imagine what could have happened if they didn't turn the ball over three times. How that game would have possibly played out. Um, you look at Texas A&M. Uh, had it not been for a catastrophic into the first half, they could have been in that ball game. I think they ran up a bunch of yards. Uh, I think they had close to 400 yards passing in that game as well. Uh, but the overarching theme, Kurt, is tempo, is fast tempo. You know, putting guys in position, um, double moves, putting guys in bad spots, exploiting coverages, uh, taking advantage of a lack of a pass rush. Now, how is Alabama going to? Ha- what is Alabama going to do to get some uh, to get creative and get some pressure on Justin Fields? Well, uh, number one, they better they better get lined up. We saw in the semifinal game, Clemson uh, didn't get lined up two two or three times and gave up huge plays. I think touchdowns on two of the three plays. So they better get lined up. Uh, the thing that I like about Ohio State right now is they're running different tempo. You know, they're they're uh, going at a you know hectic pace and then they're backing off and they're staying on the line. They're staying in the huddle. They're doing a lot of different things, which is very, very exciting. Alabama's going to have their hands full. Um, I think they're going to probably just try to play as conventional as they can, line up in a in a coverage and just maybe – I mean, I would, I would think they would just let Justin Fields try to hit him underneath with some passes. Cause he and just rally up a tackle. Yeah, just try to use Ohio State's yeah, patience against them. Exactly. And I think that's what they're – that's the only thing you can do because right now – the way Justin Fields is playing, and that people are not talking enough about this, but that running back is just playing Trey Sermon. out, man. He's like yeah. Eddie George. I mean, he is doing yeah. great, and you mm-hmm. know, the transfer from Oklahoma, and he's showing a fourth and fifth gear, you know, when yeah. he's turning it loose and, and scoring on big plays. Absolutely. Well, on the flip so it, side, it matches Craig, up. You know, you got two undefeated teams. Yeah. It's Go ahead. Sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. I was going to say, Craig, on the flip side, uh, well, you, you look at that Alabama offense, uh, and and Ohio State's defense was able to have some success stopping the run. Uh, that doesn't necessarily bode well for, for Najee Harris. They were able to hold uh, Travis Etienne, uh, who's, who's well thought of as a running back, to just 44 yards on the ground. So they have a great front seven. Ohio State's going to get some pressure um, on Mac Jones in this offense, but uh, Jalen Waddle is going to be a game time decision. He could come back, but how do you stop the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Devontae Smith? How do you stop this uh, Alabama attack with uh, with what Ohio State brings to the table, Craig? Well, I mean, it's pick your poison. I mean, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, or Devontae Smith. You know, they they are all three. Honestly, all three were deserving of the Heisman Trophy. Obviously, Smith won it, but just incredible years. I haven't seen anybody come close to stopping them. With that said, though, Ohio State will be the best defense that Alabama has played this year. Uh, I have no doubts about that. Uh, I think it starts, really, I think it starts with stopping the running game. I think Clemson wants to stop the running game, even though, as I said, pick your poison. you got Mac Jones, Advantage, maybe Jalen Waddle. But I, I think it all starts – Everything revolves around that running game, Najee Harris, for for Alabama. You stop that, make them one-dimensional, and I think you got a good shot at the ball game. 
Yeah. I mean, these corners are going to have their work cut out for them. I mean, not only are you can uh, control trying to contain Devonte Smith, but you're Kurt, you're trying to con- you're trying to control John Mechie, uh, Forstall, Waddle if he comes back, and some of these other receivers that are down the line. So Kurt, well, I mean, what what do you think? Does Ohio State have their hands full? I, I think they're going to have the hands full. And I, I like what you just said about Waddle getting back. I see the guy getting back. I see the guy contributing. I see the guy, I, you know, I see having Smith and Waddle back on the punts, back on the kickoffs. And, uh, oh, wow, you know, who are you going to kick it to? Because yeah, both of those I know Waddle got hurt. This is, yeah, get, just get the ball to 35. But uh, all of a sudden you put that other threat or you divide up the field, you put Smith on one side and Waddle on the other side and you run your RPOs and both those guys, you know, it's just who wants to score next, you know, like they had it with Tua and they've had it with Mac Jones. So they're back at pretty much full strength now. So it's going to be – they're going to be uh, even more uh, potent a passing attack. And they know Shark is leaving and he knows he's leaving. So they're not going to leave any bullets in – there's going to be no bullets in that gun. So they're going to do everything they've ever practiced, they've ever talked about. This is their time to shine and put it all out on national TV and world to see. Now, what, they run one of my favorite RPOs, Kurt, and uh, we, we put it in – uh, with uh, it, it, Hale senior year with Miller, is that it's that glance stick RPO where where they 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 bring uh, they bring well they bring Devonte Smith into the box uh, on a, like a it's not really a slant but it's not really a dig it's just kind of like a glance route where he's just it's like an inside bender um, and he's just finding grass right. and they 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 run that thing to perfection they got that linebacker spinning like a top and uh, they'll throw it right by his ear. Um, even if he stands flat-footed, they'll buzz it right by his face mask and get it to Devontae Smith, and bam, he could take it to the house. So I'm excited to see what, what Sark brings to the table. I'm excited to see the uh, the showcase. The, the I'm, I'm going to call this game the Longhorn Showcase because uh, Sark is going to put it all out there on the table for his recruits at at, uh, at Texas, and there, it's going to be it's going to be a love fest for, for Steve Sarkeesian and uh, – you know, it's going to be well-deserved. And, you know, it's going to be real tough to stop this Alabama offense. But I think if there's a defense out there, Craig, it's it's Ohio State. Um, and then Ohio State offensively, I mean, I'm looking forward to the matchups of you – know, I want to see how, how Alabama's secondary handles Olave and Wilson. Um, I want to see how Alabama's front seven, if they can if they can contain Trey Sermon, make Ohio State a little bit more one-dimensional – I think they give themselves a good chance in the passing game to kind of calm them down a little bit. If they can get some shots in on, on Justin Fields and, and really kind of test out those ribs, see how those ribs are holding up. Um, that, that'll be something that, that that'll be something to watch. You know, how do they, cre- how can they creatively get pressure on Justin Fields? And, and likewise for Ohio state, how can they, how can they disrupt the timing and get Mac Jones out of rhythm because if they can get him out of rhythm, if they can get him to miss a few throws, get him get him on the ground, I mean, he's human. He's not immune to being rattled. No, There's not a single quarterback in this world that's immune to being rattled every once in a while. Even Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, are, are, are they get rattled too. So uh, they just got to find a way to rattle the cage. And, and so it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, Alabama, right now, the, the line currently sits at minus 8.5 in favor of the Tide. Uh, Craig, I'm going to start with you since you're the great prognosticator, uh, and and we can steal your pick. Um, does, is Alabama going to cover the eight and a half, or is Ohio State have a chance of either covering or winning outright? Well, first of all, let me apologize to Travis Etienne. I mispronounced his name earlier in the show, so Travis, 
if you listen to our podcast, I apologize for that. If you listen but, to our uh, podcast, I appreciate it. it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, guys, you know, Kurt and I were talking about this earlier. I, I think this is going to be a great, great football game. I really think it is. Uh, and, and I think it's going to come down to a last-second field goal. And thus, I'm taking the eight and a half in, a, uh, in this ball game. I, I think that's – I think it's a lot. Um, and I think it – like I said, I think it's a, a three- to a seven-point game. I really do. I think it's a last-second, last-minute, uh, late-fourth-quarter score that's going to win this ball game. Kurt, what do you, how do you see it? I, I, I agree totally. I think it's going to be just who has the ball last. I think who's going to make a stop or two. Um, I can see I can see Ohio State winning. I really can. I can see if they play with that intensity. Uh, they've had time to uh, to come off of that big victory uh, after 365 days playing up to this game that they had against Clemson. They did that. It took care of business. Uh, we'll see if Ryan Day is you know if he's got control of the troops. You know, and I think he does. He he seems like a guy that's got control of them and can get them back up. And it's hard. It's hard because they've only played seven, eight ball games. So, um, you know, and another thing too is Alabama. You know, uh, they've had a busy, busy couple of weeks here too. You know, so it, it's going to be one heck of a football game. But I think it's going to be right at the end. See who's going to win, uh, unless something, you know, an injury or something happens to one of those stars, then it then it can get lopsided. But. They're all healthy. It's going to go down to the last few minutes. And Justin Fields wants to – he wants to finish at a, at a level that uh, we all knew the type of player he was and he is. So, he's not He's not going to have a chance. He, he's, he's got a chance to be on the national stage again. I think he's going to perform excellently. Yeah, I, I think so too. Cool. And, you know, Ohio State really showed me something. And, you know, the, the way I talked – the way I thought they were going to play in the Big, Big Ten Championship – uh, was the way they played against Clemson. I mean, they that was a team that had laser focus. They were on a mission. Uh, I, they, they were a team that I thought, um, because they looked this way in the Big Ten Championship, that the disjointed Big Ten season, the lack of games, I felt like had caught up with them uh, against Northwestern. Um, but it, it seems that they had found, some, they had found something uh, between Northwestern and Clemson. Uh, that that kind of got a spark going and kind of got them locked in and focused. And we're going to see if Ryan Day – there's some NFL speculation with Ryan Day, so almost, I want to see how he handles that distraction. You know, there there's all sorts of things like uh, they had a little uh, – they had some COVID issues uh, up there in uh, Columbus. Uh, they have, you know, Justin Fields has some rib issues. So, I mean, how are they handling all of this stuff? How are they handling the press? You know, how are they, you know – is was that Clemson game their Super Bowl? Did they expend all of their energy in that game? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think they're I think they're well in tune. I think Ryan Day um, really kind of showed what kind of coach he was and, and and getting them ready for the Sugar Bowl. I think he'll have the same type of preparation and laser focus for for this game. I, I don't I don't think that they went out right, but I do I do like Ohio State in the points here. Um, that eight and a half is just way way too too big of a spread for a game like this. I think it's going to be a track meet. I mean, I think two tempo teams with not great pass defenses, I mean, you're going to look at, you're going to look at a game that at minimum is going to be, 
you know, 42-38 type of score, but it might be even higher than that. It might be, you know, I, I think it'd be a treat for all of us if we got a Ole Miss-Alabama type game um, on our hands on Monday night where it's like 62-58 to 58 or something like that, you know, some like arena football game. So I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be a track meet. I think it's going to be tight the whole way. They're going. It's like I, I gave it to, to give it a, another sport analogy. I, I kind of said it was like one of those featherweight undercard uh, boxing matches where it's like you have 230-pound uh, 5'6 fighters that are just wailing on each other, not really defending punches. They're just kind of wailing on each other, and all of a sudden somebody falls down in like the, the sixth round. That's that's going to be this game. Um, I, I think Ohio State's going to be the one that, that all of a sudden falls down, but Alabama's going to – you're going to look at Alabama. They're going to be accepting the trophy, and they're going to be bloody and beat up and glad to be done with that game. So uh, give me the tie to win – but give me Ohio State and uh, the eight and a half points on on the betting line. So um, that's that's your national championship game uh, from Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami Monday night. I think it's what seven thirty Eastern or or eight thirty Eastern. Uh, I, I, I was thinking it was uh, seven Central. Maybe I'm seven wrong. Central. Okay. Yeah, Samsonite. I was way off. Um, it's so, Monday night. About that. <laughs> Monday night. Yeah. Sometime sometime Monday night during dinner. Okay. You're you're. You know, whatever whatever that may be. Um, so, um, Steve Sarkeesian, we, we alluded to him. Uh, he became a Longhorn uh, shortly after the semifinal game. Texas, uh, after uh, after he turned down Auburn, after he agreed to a $3.5 million uh, payout to Alabama uh, to, to remain as their offensive coordinator, the, uh, the University of Texas made, made their decision. They moved on from Tom Herman. Um, they felt like the program was either stagnant or moving backwards under Tom Herman. So they felt the move was necessary. They went after and got their guy, Steve Sarkeesian, very decisive hire. They knew exactly who they wanted. They went out and got him. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a tough job. I mean, just this University of Texas is a tough job. It, it chews up and it chews up and, and uh, spits out coaches left and right. I mean, for Mac Brown to be, as, be there as long as he was, is a testament to how good Mac Brown is. So, how do you think Sark is going to do at Texas? I mean, obviously, we we know his schemes, we know uh, the job that he's done since he's been in Alabama. Um, I, I think he got kind of an unfair shake as the the Falcons' offensive coordinator um, in the NFL. I think he's gotten a lot of experience since he got unceremoniously fired um, at I think he was at USC. Um, got drunk before a game, uh, coached a game drunk. You can't do that. Uh, it's frowned upon, apparently, um, but uh, he's since um, he's since rectified all those things, and now he's getting a shot at Texas. So I'm I'm happy for him. I think he's going to do a great job. Well, I, I think guys, I, you know, Kurt, Kurt and I talked about this earlier too. Um, I, I think Texas is the best job in college football overall. The best job in college football. Uh, you've got unlimited resources. Uh, you've it's got, the best, but it's it's tough. It is. I agree. There's a lot of pressure there, but you've got unlimited resources there. Uh, they can pay anything they want to pay as far as uh, a head coach goes. And then also you've got a unbelievably fertile recruiting base there in Texas. Uh, you know, I, I honestly, like I said, I think it's the best job in college football. Now, I think it's underachieved as far as – Oh, vastly the, the scope, yeah, the scope of what they've done, I, it's 
it's woefully underachieved for what the for the resources they they have at their disposal. I think it, it's woefully underachieved. They've become arguably the third best program in in the state behind A and M and uh, arguably TCU. Yeah. So I you know. You know, you look at Sark, obviously he's benefited from what he's done in Alabama because if you look at his record at USC and at Washington, it's really not that good. Uh, it's not that good. It really isn't. But, again, he can thank – I hope he sent uh, Nick Saban a, a few a few bills for and thanked him for, again uh, for resurrecting his college football coaching career because – I mean, let's be quite honest. Uh, if he if they wouldn't put up the numbers that uh, they were at Alabama, I don't think he would be under consideration. Now, he's put up great numbers at Alabama, but he had some dudes at Alabama, and there's no Jones, there's no Harris, there's no Devontae Smith, there's no Jalen Waddle. But you can go that. recruit all those guys. You can go recruit all those guys. I agree, and that's the reason really? I say it's a pro recruiter guy. But again, you don't have those guys on your campus at the moment. No, you don't. And there's been a lot of maturity that's happened. Uh, you know, when he was at Washington, when he was at USC, there was a lot of immaturity. He fell into a lot of traps. Um, being young in a city like LA with with lots of money, he falls into that trap. And so, so Kurt, maturity, you know that that's got to play a role into it. Even even adults can be immature. Uh, at this point, but what you know, what role do you think Saban played in, in, you know, not just giving him a chance, but like what what are some things that Saban probably did to mentor him? Oh, I think he just he gave him structure, gave him a process, and developing his uh, style of life. You know, you know, in Tuscaloosa in T Town, there's not a whole lot to do. Uh, you're going to talk football and live football and coach football. And then you're going to deal with the players. And, uh, you know, that's one thing Nick Saban's been able to do. All his players have been able to be nurtured and developed and grown on and off the field. And that's what you see from these guys when they go to other places. Uh, They may not have as much success as Nick Saban yet at their particular programs, but they're all striving and they're getting better. And they all, to a man, know that they have grown and gotten better by being associated with Nick Saban and that Bill Belichick tree. So I think, I think the guy has a great opportunity. Uh, he now knows uh, what he knows, and he's not afraid to hire great assistant coaches. That's the thing that Nick Saban has separated himself from everybody in coaching football. He has hired everybody he can from Charlie Strong, from Stoops, from – I mean, the, the list and list, and he, I mean, he tries yeah, – I mean, the guys he's hired over the time, uh, Crestaball, I mean, just, just it's unbelievable the people he'll get in there. And some, some guys last for a year, and some guys stay, and they come back. You know, Sark was a guy that, you know, they brought back. You know, he went back to the pros, and I went to the pros maybe for the first time, and it was not a great thing. But, you know, now we see the Falcons weren't that great to begin with anyway. So uh, I, th- I think he's got a great shot to be really, really successful there. Um, you know, it's just – it's like Greg was saying, you know, you got to get the players, but the players are there. The players are in that state. The players will come visit Austin, Texas, and the players can get from Austin, Texas to the NFL, and they all know that. 
And uh, so he's got something really good to recruit to. What a league to get into. With you got Oklahoma, you got you know Iowa State. You know that, yeah, those they, are the they're the new kids on the block. So you know you you know you're not you know you're you're out of the Alabama. You know Auburn, Texas A and M. You know LSU. You know so now his toughest two games are, you know, and rightfully so. TCU's beat them the last was it four of the last five years. Yeah. So I mean, but but you're gonna have better players. Than, you're gonna have. I mean, you're gonna be on par with everybody. Uh, I mean, you have better players than everybody you play, except Oklahoma, probably about the same or even. But everybody else, you're going to have better players. And that's that's the big thing. And players, at the end of the day, win if you know how to use your personnel. And yeah. uh, I wasn't ever enamored by Tom Herman. So, no, you know, I wasn't I either. Probably, I mean, he did. Next he, trip to uh, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so, think, I think he's probably next in line. <laughs> um, of course, also I've heard that Bill O'Brien and Adam Gase are next in line for – uh, that that Nick Saban seat at offense coordinator, so that'll be interesting, especially if it's Adam Gase. I, I don't I don't buy that guy one bit. Um, but as far as Texas goes, I mean, there, there's going to be some uh, another reunion there uh, as Sark will now look to his uh, former boss when he was with the Falcons, Dan Quinn, uh, to come in as his defensive coordinator. Uh, so I, I think that would be a tremendous hire, uh, and, and there there would be some good mentoring going on. I think. Uh, Dan Quinn would be a great resource, obviously a great defensive mind. He didn't forget how to coach. He just things just didn't work out for him ever since the Super Bowl collapse uh, in in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, hats off to that. Uh, you know, I think Dan Quinn could do a good job at Texas. I think um, you know, recruiting wise, I don't know how much of a recruiter he is, but then again, Texas recruits itself. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the staff unfolds. Um, after the national championship game with uh, with Texas and who they get, who they're able to land, things like that. So uh, keep your eyes out on on what's going on at Texas. I think Kyle Flood is the offensive coordinator, probably just by title um, at at Texas. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Sark, congratulations on that. And uh, Texas found their guy. Let's look at Auburn. Um, Auburn was able to uh, Brian Brian Harson after. Uh, kind of sitting on his hands for a little bit after the bowl game. Things picked up real quick. Uh, was able to steal Mike Bobo and Will Friend away from South Carolina. Will Friend went uh, to South Carolina. Then I think, what, less than a month later now, he's in Auburn uh, with Bobo. Bobo signed an extension at South Carolina and then said, you know what, I'm cool. Let's go to Auburn. Uh, and they were also able, Kurt, to hire Derek Mason, which – uh, I don't think it shocked anybody that Derek Mason would, would be unemployed for very long. Um, so it's good to see him get back on his feet, and we'll see kind of what he's like now in the, in the defensive coordinator role. He knows the league. He knows the footprint he can recruit in this area. And at a place like Auburn, I think he has a little bit more backing, a little bit more oomph behind his uh, recruiting pitch. So how do you think – so, Kurt, I'm going to start with you. Grade the hires at, the, at Auburn University. Um, and be careful because the Auburn Mafia is coming for you. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think the guy is, is uh, swinging about a thousand percent. When you can hire, and also we didn't get to mention Cadillac uh, coaching the running backs. I mean that is that is huge. The guy's coming in there to do that, and to get Bobo and Friend from the SEC and get Derek Mason from the SEC. The guy is now. I mean he's he's hanging up. I mean he's getting some good hires. He's got. He'll have two more head coaches in the room. Uh, these guys know the SEC. 
And uh, it's going to give him – he's on the fast track of learning what's going on. Very similar to what the Baylor coach, uh, Matt Rule, when he went from Temple, Philadelphia area, to Texas, not knowing the lay of the land. He went and got some Texas people that had Texas roots. And the guy built it up from one win to, I think, 11 wins two years or three years later. And now he's in the Carolina Panthers. So, great hires that he's doing. He's doing the right thing. He's not making it the Boise State, you know, south. Uh, he'll probably bring a few of the guys with him, but he's stepping out and getting the guys that fit best. He's putting an all-star staff together for Auburn, and you got to have that if you're going to line up and go, you know, toe-to-toe with Alabama and Nick Saban. So I think it's going to be a great job. What do you think, Craig, about some of the hires there? No, I agree with you. I, I think they're, they they both they he's made some really good hires. I like the Derek Mason hire, different uh, defense coordinator. Also, you, you need to. One thing to mention is he also uh, brought his defensive coordinator from Boise State, Jeff Schmetting, with him. Uh, he's going to coach linebackers, and, and ESPN has reported that, that he's going to be the co-defensive coordinator. So you may have co-defensive coordinators with Mason and, and Schmetting. So I, I think that's a good combination. you got your guy coming from, from Boise State, and, and you know what you want to run. And, uh, of course, we, we know about Derek Mason. Uh, I think also it opens up some recruiting uh, territory for Auburn that that hasn't been there in the past, as in the West Coast, because obviously Derek Mason was uh, Stanford's uh, defensive coordinator, and he signed numerous players from California when he was at Vanderbilt. So I think that's another thing to think about. Now, Will Friend, uh, a guy that has had three jobs in less than a month, uh, you know, he took a $100,000 pay cut to go to South Carolina to get out of Tennessee. And then um, I'm sure he probably had that uh, made up for him and maybe a little more at Auburn. And then uh, Bobo comes along also. So sort of interesting how that uh, dynamic went down, you know. Uh, and you know, I, I think they got out just in time before contracts uh, came down from uh, uh, to them from South Carolina. So that, that – uh, they got out just in time. It was a very interesting move. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to. It's got to sting a little bit for Shane Beamer to be, you know, all excited. He made all these decisive hires, and all of a sudden the rug is is pulled out from under you. So, but if I'm if I'm Auburn, if I'm Mike Bobo, I've I've got to think that there's a chance that Gunnar Stockton uh, is going to be a Tiger instead of a Gamecock. Um, so we're going to find out real quick if the relationship is mostly with Bobo or if the relationship is mostly with Connor Shaw. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Gunnar Stockton's head coach is, uh, is Connor Shaw's dad, uh, J-Bo Shaw. But, uh, so that'll be an interesting twist. And, I, you know, you have to think Auburn has a shot here. And if they get Gunner, if they get Gunnar Stockton, look out. Um, but if I'm Tank Bigsby, I'm very excited about this hire. Uh, well, I think, like yeah, I, I think too, I think what really sealed the deal probably for him was the fact that, that he he kept Cadillac Williams as a running back coach. Um, I, I think that was a smart move. You want to keep you want to keep your best player happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, Cat, Caddy's good coach in, in his own right. I mean, he's not, you know, he, he's certainly worthy. I don't think it was a I don't think it was a charity move at all as far as keeping Cadillac. I mean, yes, he's a he's an Auburn legend. Uh, he's. You know, Cadillac Williams carries a lot of weight uh, down there in that in those neck of the woods. Um, but you know, his recruiting contacts are valuable. He's a good coach. Uh, he was able to develop 
you know, some of these guys on the roster and, and turn them into really good running backs in a system that I don't think was very good under Gus Malzahn. And so when you get an actual run-friendly system now with Mike Bobo, you know, these running backs are going to take off. And Tank Bigsby is is got to be excited about that. So uh, Auburn making some big moves. Anything else you guys want to add about Auburn? I take no, that. I, to- I, I just think they made some big moves, and I and I see, uh, you know, opportunities that they've opened up. You know, like Tennessee has a five or six positions maybe opening up now on their assistant they, coaching. They might have. And I 10 guess positions. South Carolina has a couple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Tennessee. Yeah, uh, they look good for. Yeah, they they could they could be looking for an entire staff, including an athletic director. Um, yeah, things aren't looking good there in uh, in Knoxville, are they, Craig? Well, I I agree. When, when uh, you know, obviously the the investigation, uh, the compliance investigation, and then earlier in the week they they hire uh, a pair of attorneys, Mike uh, Glazier and Kyle Skillman. Uh, to assist in the in-house counsel. So that's always <laughs> – that's not a good sign of things to come. And and a guy that I really trust, uh, one on local radio here in Nashville, uh, Chris Lowe. Chris graduated from University of Tennessee. He had the Tennessee beat for the Tennessee in Nashville for, for, for many, many years. Now he's at ESPN. And he, he went on the radio and said that he didn't think that Jeremy Pruitt uh, would be able – would be the coach, uh, you know, come the fall. And he, he didn't think he would make – you know, he'd make it. He was he was going to be let go. He, he has many, many sources uh, there. I, I really trust his judgment. Uh, he's a great guy, great reporter. Uh, when he says that, uh, that, that really makes me think that, that things are going to be sour there. Uh, they're going to sour and they're going to get rid of uh, – approve it uh you know and obviously they uh the rumors come out of that that they are not he's not going to be able to hire assistant coaches because of this situation uh with uh possibly the ncaa coming in and doing it with a compliance situation so you know i, I i've seen kevin Steele's name mentioned as he's possibly interviewed him for a, a defensive coordinator position you know another guy that 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 he needs a defensive line coach. And another guy that's, that's come open for him is a former ball, Marion Hobby. He was uh, in Miami parted ways, uh, Miami Dolphins parted ways uh, just here a few days ago. And he played under Johnny Majors, was first team all SEC. And then he also coached for the Vols in, in 98, uh, has experience at uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Clemson and Duke, and then also uh, the Saints and the, the Jags. So that, that would be a name – to think about if he's able to hire anybody. And then, of course, the last thing, the big news is they got a transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech uh, that's going to be coming in. And, Hayden uh, Hooker. Be, yeah, Hayden Hooker, and he's, he's going to be immediately eligible, obviously. And, you know, he's got some impressive numbers. He He's a pass-run guy. You know, he rushed for 620 yards last year, uh, last fall, and, and nine touchdowns. And, you know, uh, over a two-year con- combined for 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I, I think that sort of maybe deflected all the they, – they needed that because it kind of deflected some of the bad news 
off and, and gave some people a little bit of hope there. They needed another quarterback in that room, guys, because they've lost two. And I don't think you want to go into the season with a sophomore that hasn't played hardly any, and then also as in uh, Bailey, and then you got Brian Maurer, uh, who I think he'll be a, a junior, hasn't played hardly any. And then you've got a true freshman, Salter, coming out of Texas. So this guy comes in with the most experience of anybody. Yep, and he was one of the uh, one of the lone bright spots for the Hokies in Virginia Tech. That whole situation is a mess. Uh, we could do a whole show on just uh, just Virginia Tech. So yeah, it's getting crazy there in in, in Tennessee, and they're going to be looking for a head coach here pretty soon. Um, you have to think that. You know some of these uh, some of these guys that stayed put in in the, in the group of five jobs and stuff like that are are now starting to turn their eyes towards towards Knoxville. Does Hugh Freeze get a look if they move on from Jeremy Pruitt? Well, I, I think he's. I, I don't know if he's. I think he's can do the job can do it very well. I'm just wondering now if the SEC if they've put a hold on him because. They had to. You know, he, something's going on behind the scenes, and maybe there's a length of time, and maybe I missed the quote or something. But it looks like he's he's got to wait another year or two or something. There's a time a time sequence that didn't match up right now. So I think he's I think he would be a you know I think he could do a good job there and get him going, but I don't think he's available right now. He's unavailable. Well, I agree with you. I think it was very telling the fact that that. You know, it been widely reported that Auburn didn't even talk to him. Uh, and I find that very hard to believe when you've got, you know, what the Auburn fans were starving for is productivity on the offensive side of the ball, and there's your guy. I mean, he, he's proven it. He's beaten Alabama, your arch rival. And the fact that he didn't, if that's true, didn't get even get an interview, didn't even talk to him, I, I agree with you. Uh, Kurt, I, I think he's he's for the moment has been blackballed. Yep, and with all the stuff that all the shenanigans that happened at Ole Miss, uh, probably still rightfully so, to be honest. But um, you know, there you know, w- with uh, with the news that that continues to unfold at Tennessee, we'll keep you updated on that here on the coaching chatter. And if Jeremy Pruitt is let go, we will do a deep dive into different uh, different candidates. So, uh, looking at the NFL. Um, you've got several head coaching opportunities within our footprint. A couple of, of note, the Atlanta Falcons uh, is one of them. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars is another. And then we go over to the state of Texas where the Houston Texans hired uh, GM Nick Casario from the Patriots, uh, signed him to a six-year deal. Uh, Deshaun Watson not happy with that decision, um, probably going to request to be traded if he hasn't already what what's the situation there in Houston? Well, it can't be it can't be good when your guy is, uh, you know, uh, he's your marquee player, one of the top players in the NFL, and and if he's not happy, then that's not good for your uh, franchise. And the fact that they struggled like they did, uh, obviously this year. Uh, it, it, it just adds insult to injury there for, for that franchise. And I, I know they're going to try to uh, meet with him and try to, uh, you know, rectify things. But, uh, you know, the fact that they, you know, uh, 
he is not happy, wanted to be consulted uh, as to who the GM was going to be, the hire was going to be. It was pretty much just done, and he was left out of the, the, the picture. Uh, doesn't, paint a good, doesn't paint a good picture for uh, the Texans. Yeah, I see him. Uh, I, you know, I think a lot of things going to open up for him. I see a lot of quarterback movement. I, we talked about this early on. You know, I see a year where there will be a lot of uh, moving chairs with these NFL quarterbacks, and I know there's uh, half a dozen franchise, hopefully, ho- want to be franchise quarterbacks in the draft, and I think there's probably uh, half a dozen that are right on the cuff of being a franchise quarterback, and I think they all need new homes and. Jimmy G's one of them. I see uh, Matt Ryan being one of them. I see Deshaun Watson being a guy that needs to wants movement. Mitchell Trubisky wants movement. Uh, so there's a lot of lot of things. Miami's not totally all the way in on Tua. Uh, so there there's a lot of you know New England needs a quarterback. The Jets you know they're they're waiting to find out who's going to be their head football coach and let Sam Darnold. So there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of moving parts. Um, and you, see, you can see a lot of new teams with new quarterbacks. Denver Broncos need a quarterback. They're getting a new GM. Uh, yeah, so They're not so uh, on lock. No. And so I'll say this, guys. You know, the fact that, that um, the Texans trade away uh, Hopkins uh, to, to Arizona. So, already going into the year, you know, obviously with that there, you know, when you're, if you're a quarterback, and Kurt, you can attest to this, when you're when your best wide out and arguably a top five receiver, I want to say argue. I'd say he is a top five receiver. In I'd NFL. say arguably you, top yeah, two. Yeah, and you trade him away. I mean, you're already. You know, he could. I know he was not happy about that. So he was already on the edge as it was. Yeah, I mean, and then Jay Watt, they're they're you know they're perennial MVP. Uh, they're talking about he's not going. He's not coming back. So. They're, they're in transition, and having a guy, a GM, sign a six-year contract, that tells you that they're they're probably just going to blow the ship up and send out J.J. and send out, you know, Watson. They'll probably move up in the draft. You know, they may be going after one of these uh, one of these quarterbacks, maybe Justin Fields. Maybe they make a push, you know. But, you know, I, I would say Jacksonville Jaguars, we don't talk about that. I, you know, I think Urban Meyer's petitioning to go somewhere, and I think that's probably where he's probably going to try to get because he's a legend from Florida now, you know, winning yeah. national championships. And he, he lives they in can. L.A. right now too, and he, he – uh, or he does – he works out there in L.A. at Fox, but uh, he's also interested in the Chargers job too, which I think is a potential gold mine there too. You have the rook, you have the offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert. Uh, you have a great shed of running backs with Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Um Joshua Kelly, you've got Mike Williams, some guy named Keenan Allen, um, who's arguably top three, top five receiver in the league. Um, you got a great defense with Derwin James leading the back end. Uh, I mean, you got a lot of great pieces there in LA, and 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 I feel bad for Anthony Lynn, but it just didn't work out for him. He just couldn't quite put it all together uh, for uh, for the Chargers. You, you hate to see it because Anthony Lynn's such a great person. Uh, you listen to him; he's a great motivator. He just couldn't. Just couldn't get the whole scheme part of it right, and you know, and some of the personnel issues were were uh, at the fault of Tom Telesco, but uh, the the GM. But you know, it, it that that organization's not great, 
but it it also went kind of sideways on on Anthony Lynn. So, Kurt, where do you think Urban? Uh, do you think Urban lands in in Jacksonville? Is that is that pretty much? No, I, I think you. I think you opened up both places that are very, very attractive. What they've got to have, uh, Urban Meyer can do either one of those jobs, and I think the the job that's easiest to get to the Super Bowl the quickest probably would be the L.A. Chargers with that quarterback because he's on his rookie contract. I mean, do you want Justin Herbert or do you want Trevor Lawrence? So, Justin Herbert's already had a year where he's seen things he's never seen, and he's, he's a known commodity at this point. And, he, and he's and he stayed healthy, and he's a big guy. Trevor Lawrence has got to stay healthy, and he did. He had COVID and missed a couple of weeks there, and he stayed healthy. So, you know, it's it's just whichever one you kind of want to coach. But you mentioned the other parts around. Justin Herbert, I mean, he's got better receiver core than Jacksonville, better running backs than Jacksonville, better defense than Jacksonville. Now, a few years ago, Jacksonville was the talk of the NFL. You know, they were making their headway, and then they blew everything up, and guys are all over the league now. Can you imagine they had Jalen Ramsey, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell, (laughs) Puzlozny? Chargers would be a great place to go for Urban Meyer, as would Jacksonville, but you're going to get to the Super Bowl. You got to get there. One of the proven things: get there with a quarterback that's got a rookie contract, so you can get him some players around him and go for it. And that's what they—that's what I look for the Chargers to make a run. Whoever they hire, they're going to do a great job. Now, Craig, the thing that concerns me with Urban Meyer um, is it seems like anytime there's a little bit of turmoil, he he bails. He cuts bait and he bails. Um. That concerns me a little bit with him. I mean, I, I think obviously X's and O's. I think obviously um, management style and all that stuff. He, he he's a he's a good coach, right? There's no denying that Urban Meyer can't, or there's no denying, or there's no saying that Urban Meyer can't do the job because he's certainly capable of doing. It. He's a good enough coach to lead the Jaguars, who are going to have I think eight draft picks in the first three rounds, or the Chargers. I think he'd be a great fit at either either organization. However. Things got tough at at Florida. They got into a little bit of trouble. They had probably one of the, bar none, one of the craziest teams um, of all time in 2008 with all those personalities that they had. Um, It was more like a nut house. Um, He found himself in trouble, uh, struggled against Alabama in in 2009, and then felt like he cut bait. Uh, Ohio State, they get a little bit of turmoil. He just takes his ball and goes home uh, and, and turns it over to Ryan Day all of a sudden. Just seemed like out of nowhere. What's up with that, Craig? What I mean, what, what do you – is that a concerning thing or is that just something that there, – there's something that we don't know that's that's under the surface with why he's leaving like that? I mean, it, it you know, if, I, if I'm an owner, I'm concerned about giving him a long-term deal. I think that Jacksonville and a lot of these NFL teams are so – uh, starving, they're starving to win, uh, and especially Jacksonville, they have hit rock bottom. I think they're just starving to get a name in there and uh, to get someone in there to win. I think they would they would settle. I don't think that bothers them what whatsoever. I, I think they're just starving that much. And you know, if I'm Urban Meyer, I, I think I take the Jacksonville job because you know you're you're starting from scratch basically. Uh, with them right now. You, you're going to draft – you got your choice. You're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. This is my guy. 
I, I can mold him like I want to mold him uh, for my team. And then another another point to be made, they're about $100 million under the salary cap. Ooh, yeah. That's a yeah. lot of free agent money that he can go out and get whomever he wants. And I like their receiving core with DJ Shark, yes. uh, LaVisca Chenault. They have a great one-two punch. Colin Johnson from Texas, big 6'6 target. Um, you know, Chris Conley, a great possession guy from, from Georgia. Uh, then you have uh, Keelan Cole from Kentucky Westland, who's who's kind of a good slot guy and finds, finds some, some grass in the zone. So Trevor Lawrence is going to have some weapons to throw to, and they, they got some good young – inexperienced talent they've just got to figure out a way to put it all together but yeah they're starving man um so if they're not concerned then i guess i'm not concerned so you know I, well, I they, they want to make a splash hire there is no doubt about that they're going to make they want to make a splash hire and let's just say if urban meyer turns them down do they do they turn to columbus again and go after ryan day i've heard that um i don't know I don't know if you do. I don't, I don't think he takes that. I really you know, don't. If, if I'm Ryan Day, I, I'm sitting I'm sitting pretty uh, yeah. in, in C-Bus. If I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm sitting pretty in, in Norman. I'm not going anywhere. Um, if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I'm sitting pretty in Clemson. I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah. All, you, you all, can, three, excuse, all three of those guys got more number one picks than any of the NFL teams we've talked about. So Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Ryan Day, Dabo, and – they're, they're they're reloading the right now. Yeah, so and you know, I, I but, think, but it does. They, every coach, I guess, does want to go to the NFL at one time, and Nick uh, Saban tried it, and some other guys. So, but yeah, I, I think I think Ryan Day. I don't there's think a lot, they care about. A lot of former, yeah, I don't think those three yeah. guys care about the coach of the NFL. No, they they no. don't. I, I think. I think they've got a family, and I think they they just looked at it and went, you know, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm getting on the marquee here, and it's not, um, you know, it's just not what some guys, what they've grown up to want, you know. Yeah. So it's interesting. What route do the Falcons go? I, you know, I, I I really think if if I'm Lawrence Blank, I hire. Raheem Morris. I, I thought he did a really, really good job uh, when he took over the the reins, and I, that's where I would go. I would stay in house, and I would put, make him my head coach. Well, if they hire Raheem Morris, then um, if he keeps Dirk Cutter, I'm out. I'm putting on my <laughs> Titans hat. If he keeps Dirk Cutter, I'm putting on my Titans hat. I it just Dirk Cutter to me is like the Gus Malzahn of the NFL. He just had no, no innovation. Uh, just didn't seem like they didn't seem like he tried to move people around. Didn't seem like he had a plan. It just seemed like they were just calling ball plays out there uh, and they couldn't. And, and as a result, Matt Ryan got destroyed. Uh, they couldn't keep Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan upright. Uh, so whoever they hire better get a better, Offensive coordinator that has a better hey, scheme. It, hey, you know, could be Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator could, for the could Titans. Be, I mean, could be. They interviewed what a job him. he's done, you know, and his name's going to pop up once they uh, once they either win the Super Bowl or they're eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, he, he's going to get some interviews. Yeah, I mean, they teams have already kind of started interviewing, and with Zoom, they can do that. 
they interviewed Bienemy. They interviewed uh, Salaf or Salah or however you say his name from San Francisco. Uh, they interviewed uh, Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay, offensive coordinator. They've interviewed Joe Brady. Um, obviously, they've interviewed Ar- Arthur Smith. Uh, Raheem Morris got it. He was the first one to get the interview. Um, obviously, got the on the job audition. Uh, there in Atlanta. So uh, lots of options there. Um, I think if they don't go Raheem Morris, I think they make a push for Bienemy, uh, which I think would be a tremendous hire as well. Uh, we'll see kind of how much information he's been able to soak up. He's kind of like the Kirby Smart of the Chiefs, where you're not real sure if it's his offense or not or how much control he actually has uh, because, you know, obviously with Kirby and Nick Saban, it was obviously Nick Saban's defense, but you know we, we don't know how much Kirby had uh, control of it. Same with Bienemy and Andy Reid's offense. You know we don't know how much day to day control or how much game day control he actually has um, within uh, within the offense. But uh, you have to think that he's he's savvy enough and been around enough to to soak up enough information and, and be that good CEO. So I think somebody's going to get a good one in in, in Bienemy. Uh, so sleep the Texans too. I heard they didn't interview him. I heard that's part really? of why Deshaun Watson's pissed. Really? Because okay. they haven't talked to him yet. I don't know I don't. if they plan to, but they haven't talked yeah. to him yet, from what I've heard. I think I think I read that from Ian Rappaport uh, that they haven't talked to him yet. So I was like, whoa, well, that's stupid. Um, also, yeah, uh, I think could, that would have been a slam dunk. That would have been incredible. Like I think he was odds-on favorite to go to Houston, and they haven't even talked to him yet. God, the incompetence is just staggering there. Um, some also some some more good news for Ohio State. Uh, Michigan has pushed and pushed and pushed, and now they have signed Jim Harbaugh to a five year extension um, for him to remain in uh, Ann Arbor. So you have to think one of two things: one, he's a Michigan man, and uh, they really like him for some reason, and B. Um, every NFL team that he talked to said, yeah, thanks, but uh, we're, we're good. We're good here. Hey, yeah, athletic budget-friendly contract there. I'll just say that. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, what what is Michigan thinking here? Are, are they just – because I haven't seen anything from Jim Harbaugh to, to, to think that he's going to progress as rapidly as he needs to progress, and, and he is a – He's an odd bird, uh, so I, I think you know. Obviously, firing Don Brown was was a great move. Um, so I think that's you know that's a step in the right direction, but that might not be might not be enough. I mean, honestly, do you, any of you guys think that within that five years he's going to overtake Ohio State? Not as, a chance. Is the beast in the Big Ten? Of course not. No. Nobody does. Not a chance. Not a chance, unless there's a miracle somehow. I don't know. Because that's a tough place to recruit. Just, I mean. yeah. yeah. And I think I think Jim Harbaugh plays small ball. I don't think he tries to, you know, he did, he, you know, he tries to do some just weird stuff, you know, with either recruiting or taking overseas visits and taking the team. And, you know, these guys, you know, they – they need they need structure. They need they need someone they can count on. They need someone that they know who's how they're going to be led and where they're going to where they're leading them to. And they need a process. And he he presents none of that. I just 
some of the games this year. I, just, I don't even know if he – I guess he knew he was at the game. I watched some of them. I, I, there was no timeouts called. There was just no – I mean, he, and he had flippant questions and answers after the game about it and just the way he handled it. You know, I'm I'm just totally, and I know he's a Michigan man, but man, I would get somebody else in there that really cherished that position and brought something to there because I know some. I mean, Bo Schembechler, you know, I can only imagine what he's thinking. You know, watching yeah. down on that, going, yeah, what's no going doubt. on to my Wolverines? You know, yeah, and I, I, you have to think that it's just criminal that you know Luke Fickle is still at Cincinnati. I mean, maybe he wants to be there, but how no one has made a run at Luke Fickle. No one has made Luke Fickle say, no, no. Because he's, I mean, Luke Fickle showed me some things. Which Um, makes me think that he he wants that Ohio State job, and he's going to wait and see what happens with Ryan Day if, for whatever reason, he jumps in. I just think, I think, to me, that to me, guys, that signals he wants the Ohio State job. Well, it's everybody wants the Ohio State job. Well, I mean, and, and, and it's a logical. I mean, it's a logical step. I think. I think at Cincinnati, obviously, he proved, and you, you as a Georgia guy, you know, they played a great game against Georgia, and I think it surprised a lot of people the way they played and the amount of talent. If you didn't see Cincinnati through the year, I did a few times. They had a lot of talent, and I think it surprised some people that hadn't seen them before. And I think he he thinks that hey, you know, I can stay right here and wait till Ohio State opens and and do very well. Now they may never make it to the to the uh, college football playoffs, but he can have some really good years. Yeah, I mean, he's you know he's got Desmond Ritter coming back for another season, so um, and I think he's got Kobe Bryant coming back for for one more go, and you know. He's done a good job recruiting there at Cincinnati. He's he's getting them to play well above their heads. I mean, that's a team that played really really hard uh, and, and was really motivated to win that that bowl game. Um, they had a disastrous second half after that seventy nine yard touchdown run. Georgia figured some things out and was able to stop them um, in the second half and give themselves opportunities to score and get back in that game. Um, but the call to to be aggressive there at the end of the game. I I love the call. It didn't work out, obviously, but I, I I love the fact that he's you know he's trying to win the game, and I can't fault him for that. I mean, I probably would have ran it personally, but I'm not saying that he's wrong, and I'm not calling him out. But me, I probably would have ran the ball, um, and and made the clock my my ally in that scenario. Even if I don't get it, I run 40 seconds off, and maybe even go for it on fourth down and run another 35, 40 seconds off or 20 seconds off or however long uh, before they blew it dead for a change of possession, um, even if I don't, even if I didn't get it on a fourth and one. But, um, you know, that personally that would have been my call. But then again, Luke Fickle probably saw something. Um, they, hadn't been, they hadn't had success running the ball since the 79-yard touchdown run to start the second half. So, you know, he's going to try to he's going to try to pop one out there in the flat, a uh, quick, nice little uh, half roll there. So, uh, but yeah, Luke Fickle, man, I I don't know what's what's going on with him. I mean, obviously he's probably waiting on the Ohio State job. You're right. He's going to see if the Jaguars are going to hire uh, Ryan Day when Urban Meyer takes the Chargers job. So, a um, lot lot of things happening uh, in the in the NFL. 
lot of trickle down effect there. Uh, a lot of coordinators going to be uh, going to be head coaches here in the very near future. So you, you 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 get excited about what's what's potentially about to happen in the NFL. The playoffs are are uh, knocking on the door as well. Lots of great matchups there. Ron Rivera. I don't know if they've come out with coach of the year in the NFL, but if he's not coach of the year, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, beat cancer, got his team into the playoffs uh, with uh, at seven and nine, uh, a team that was doormats a year ago, uh, get them into the playoffs um, to play uh, Tampa Bay as a, uh, as division champs. Uh, they, they welcome in the, the bucks. And so, um, you know, hats off to the Washington Football Club. Uh, terrible ownership, um, but a great, great job by Ron Rivera. So, if he's not coach of the year, guys, I, I don't know who is. But uh, of these NFL matchups this weekend, what which ones intrigue you guys the most? Kurt, I'll start with you. Um, well, I, you know, here in the Tennessee area, you know, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. I think that's going to be a that's going to be a slugfest. I think both those teams are. Are just going to pound after each other. It's going to be a great game. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the Titans, uh, I think the Titans have overachieved. I, I, I could see the the um, the Ravens. I just don't trust Titans defense, um, and so I see the Ravens uh, playing a little better defense. Not really much better, but they'll play just a little bit better, and I think they can they can probably take care of business. Uh, against, uh, you know, I think the Ravens probably take care of them. So I, I think that's a big game that I'm looking forward. Uh, Washington, as you mentioned, with Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady, you know, as we mentioned about quarterbacks getting rattled, uh, you know, he can get he can get rattled against those guys. They've got four up guy, guys mm-hmm. up front on that front four mm-hmm. that are legendary upcoming players for the, for the Washington Redskins. So I'm sorry, for the Washington Football Club. But uh, so I think those are the two big games I'm looking forward to. Uh, but I really like the way NFL has captured. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend for football. Got six games, you know, three and three, Saturday and Sunday, and then the National Football Championship for college. So, but I like the way the NFL has added and now just giving the one bye to each, you know, uh, divisional uh, championship, NFC champ, AFC champ. Everybody else has to play. So I like that a lot. So, what do Craig, you think, Craig, about some of the upcoming? Are you intrigued by this Saints Bears game? Uh, not really. I, I'm more intrigued by the Rams and Seahawks game uh, because this will be the third time that these two teams have played this season. So, uh, you know, obviously uh, there is uh, nothing uh, that I guess both teams know everything that the other one's going to do. If you played, this will be the third time they play. So, you wonder how this is going to end up uh, affecting this game. And, you know, the, these two are big uh, NFC West rivals to begin with and then having to play a third time and that being the playoffs. I think that's going to be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Jared Goff is back for the Rams, right? Uh, it's up in the air, up in the air. So, uh, obviously, that that's not doesn't bode well for the Rams, but – uh, if he doesn't play, but uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know if that determination's been made yet. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I think this Saints game will be a blowout, by the way. Um, and I think with uh, the, the turmoil that's going on in Cleveland, uh, they can, th- those poor guys can't catch a break, man. Uh, the Steelers are going to run it up on them now that they don't really have a coaching staff anymore uh, due to COVID. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what Washington can do to Tampa Bay. Um, Chase Young, can he can he uh, get in uh, some, some hits on Tom Brady? Can they pressure Tom Brady and get him out of his rhythm? Um, it is a home game for for Washington, so that'll be that'll be interesting. This Rams game, if Jared Goff plays, gets real interesting. Otherwise, I think Seattle's a dark horse in this uh, in this p- NFC playoff race. Uh, I, I think that you know I'm I'm looking at if it's not Green Bay coming out of that side, I, I like the Seahawks coming out of the coming out of the NFC. Um, if it's not uh, if it's not Green Bay, I think Seattle has the makeup to 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 make a run. And, and a lot of that's due to uh, Russell Wilson. So uh, the Bills, not really an intriguing matchup, but they're just a fun team to watch. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what they do in this game against the Colts uh, with Josh Allen, who's emerging as one of the one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So uh, lots of good things happening in the NFL, uh, guys, but lots of things happening in the coaching world as well. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, like I said, you're going to see a lot of a lot of assistants get some uh, get to live out their NFL dreams for at least a season or two. Uh, Marcus Freeman, speaking of Cincinnati, he is uh, he is now. Uh, it was thought for a long time uh, LSU was real close to getting him. I think they almost had him signed, and Notre Dame swooped in and got him. Huge hire for Brian Kelly. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed in the Peach Bowl with Marcus Freeman. Didn't know much about him until the Peach Bowl, um, but dude brings an aggressive style of defense. Um, and and uh, very very well coached defense on fundamentals and a very good play caller as far as being predictive and, and anticipating what the opposition is going to do whether it's Georgia Tulsa uh, UCF or whoever they're playing uh, he did a great job of game planning against those teams and so I, I think that'll be a great addition to uh, to the Irish football staff um, as he uh, as he moves on and progresses his career at Notre Dame. What do you guys think about that? Do you like the hire? Is it is it a good hire? Is he going to be successful, Craig? Well, you know, I'm like you. I didn't know a whole, whole lot about him either, but I was like you. I was impressed with uh, uh, the way his defense played against Georgia. They were very, very aggressive uh, and didn't seem to be out of position a whole lot. You know, they – they made Georgia earn what they got, and I was like I said, I was impressed by him. It was obvious they didn't have the talent that Georgia did, but they they really did a really good job of uh, of uh, I guess playing with them. As far as like I said, uh, they were outmanned uh, on, on the line of scrimmage, on line of scrimmage, and you know obviously they didn't have the horses that Georgia had, but they, I thought they did a really really good job. And he's an upper rising star. I mean, you know, we could two years from now we could be calling out his name. Maybe even a year now we could be calling out his name as a uh, as a head coach in college football. And that could very well happen. He's up up and rising star. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, so get, getting to see what what he brought to the table was was exciting uh, and uh, good for him that he's uh, he's continued to get upgrades and his hard work is 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 paying off well. Uh, so guys, that's going to do it for us here, um, on the coaching chatter podcast. Like I said, it was an action packed, uh, coaching carousel extravaganza, uh, lots to talk about. Um, we'll see if Ohio state can, uh, 
can hold on and cover in that eight and a half point spread, if not win outright. Uh, hopefully we will be all uh, correct, at least in hitting the spread. Maybe uh, I think, uh, Craig, you can continue to get pats on the back if Ohio State wins outright. <laughs> well, so, since all three of us picked it, then probably Alabama is the bad. <laughs> I just picked the cover. I didn't say they'd win outright. So technically, if they went outright, technically I'd be wrong. Yes. Um, I mean, technically, well, according to Vegas, I'd be correct. But um, according to the show, I said Alabama was going to win, but Ohio State was going to cover. So if we want to get into technicalities, that's kind of where I stand with it. So. Uh, Kurt, any any uh, any last words? Any parting shots before we uh, send everybody off into the uh, into this into the weekend? Well, I think just glad to hear the COVID. Everybody's going to be able to play that we know about from Ohio State and for Alabama. Uh, just looking forward to getting this season finished. Really, the twenty twenty season for college football has had so many. I mean, just the weird, 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 but. We're going to get through it and get it finished and then get the NFL, get it, get it playoffs going. So it's uh, been exciting. The coaching chatter, I think we're an up-and-coming podcast. I think we've struck uh, gold with all the different coaches and the, the ins and outs of, as you all mentioned, you know, up-and-coming coordinators, position coaches. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about potential hires that LSU's making through former recommendations that Joe Brady's made. So – just a lot of the Joe Brady coaching tree or the, you know, uh, just so it's a lot of, a lot of great stuff that we got going on and more stuff will be happening. I know this time next week when we get back together. Mm-hmm. So we will, uh, like I said, Craig, will reconvene after the uh, national championship to, to, I guess say either I told you so, or my God, Alabama's great or Holy cow, <laughs> Ohio state, man. I didn't think they could do it. So anything you want to leave us with? Well, as I said earlier, I think it's going to be a, a tremendous football game. I think it's going to be one of those that, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be telling my grandkids about while I'm watching football with them. Um, I, I think it's going to be one of those games. I really do. I think these two are are very, very well matched. And I'm looking for a – I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great, great game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. Uh, so want to wish everyone uh, a good weekend. Um, hope everyone stays safe in, uh, in these crazy times. Uh, seems like 2021 is getting off with uh, <laughs> getting off with a bang, so to speak. Um, there's a meme out there that says, uh, my seven-day trial has expired. I do not wish to renew. Um, let's move on to 2022. But uh, So I thought that was kind of funny. But, you know, in all seriousness, stay safe out there. Do, uh, do things to, to help yourself. Uh, stay that way and um, you know have a great weekend enjoy the playoff games college basketball is roaring up uh, Georgia plays Arkansas at uh, 2.30 central time uh, on Saturday which is tomorrow uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well uh, the national championship game Monday and we'll see you back here next week we are the coaching chatter podcast for Kurt Page and Craig Ladd I'm Corey Burton have a great weekend and we'll see you when we see you goodbye For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. 
for the ones who get it done.